Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Glad you're with us as we talk about financial matters. Myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors, helping folks like yourself make uh, wise choices with their finances and broadcast our podcast and radio program to be of uh, benefit to you. As I have said uh, to my children since they were young, uh, make good decisions. Okay, that's dad's (laughs) advice. Yes, whatever that means. Make good decisions. Make good decisions, whatever that means. Well, it's it's important with finances, too. Well, well, yeah, that's my point. At least try to make good decisions with all the available information that you have at the time. Yeah, and make the most with your financial assets. That's the hope. That's the hope, right? That's the objective. Okay. I think, yeah, you can do more than just hope. (laughs) <laughs> with a good plan. Can you not? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. I think it's yes. a little more than hope. I hope it works. I'm like you're at the blackjack table. <laughs> oh, actually, I hope I get the right card. Oh, actually, I've had clients. Please don't have a face card. <laughs> That's, I've had clients say to me that, like, well, we're just going to play the lottery. I'm like, that is a strategy. A f- not foolish a, strategy. Not, not a successful one, but it is a strategy. That's where hope is involved. That is I where hope is. But anyway. It's more than that. Yeah, and if you want to be part of our program, love to take your calls. Always, always like uh, chatting with you and hearing what's on your mind. Questions at moneymatters.com. You can send us an email there, or you can call 833-99-WORTH to get uh, to join us. And it looks like that the, um, you know, the financial markets have been selling off a bit. Interest rates, in- long-term interest rates all of a sudden have taken off. You, 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 uh, this inflation thing is it's perplexing. <laughs> It's transitory. Well, that's what they said at the beginning, but we know we when they said it was transitory, we said they, they, that doesn't. Yeah, that's not it. But it's it's in pockets. Um, it's in pockets, and there's things. You know, this United Auto Workers strike is really troubling. Do you not think so? It's well, there's a number of strikes. Um, okay, so they're in Hollywood. Come on, this. You know, so I just saw some Actors article Guild? that the uh, late night shows are going to be back airing again. I'm like, I didn't even know they were off the air. <laughs> right? I haven't watched one in years. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's the Screen Actors go. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I I get that that they're on strike and they AI and blah blah blah. But that it. It's such a small portion of the economy, but the United Auto Workers, I mean, that, that, it's all three companies that have been targeted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. And these deal. little, they, they're just messing with oh, them. Oh, it's strategic. Yeah. yeah. It's knife-like. They're just like, we're going to cut poke this you here and, and poke, poke you there. You there. Um, and that is inflationary. If it's prolonged, it is, this will drive inflation. You not think? Well, it depends how well it's, we have less supply of cars. I guess it depends on how the consumer reacts, right? Yeah, and it's looking like the consumer is finally starting to like, whoa, these higher interest rates are a real deal. Oh, uh, home, uh, home, uh, new home sales—they've declined. Overall, home sales have declined, we should say. And yeah. um, well, it is yeah. what it is, huh? Well, that's why the market is not anticipating the Fed to increase rates anymore, and the market's anticipating the Feds are going to. Start lowering rates next year, of course. And the Fed doesn't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. What we do know is whatever cycle we're in will eventually end, and a new cycle will take over. But my favorite uh, the last week or so news piece was that Rupert Murdoch decided to retire at the age of 93. You're like, really? This is newsworthy? How involved do you think he was? You think he's shown up in the office every day? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I didn't even bother reading the story on. I saw his front page walk. You know, like who cares? Yeah, that was my favorite. I just ninety three. Well, just a little heads up. I'm going to retire before I'm ninety. Before you're ninety three. Yes. Yeah. Most people. Most of us won't make it to ninety three. Yes. Anyway, let's take some. Uh, let's take some calls here. We're talking with Michael. Michael, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. 
Yes, hi. Good morning, gentlemen, and thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I wanted to share, first of all, that I was by your Folsom location for a first-time complimentary consultation about 10 years ago, and I was sitting in your lobby, and Pat, you walked by, and we don't know each other, never met each other before, but you stopped to say hello to me and to thank me for visiting and I, and I recognized who you were, but I thought that was very kind of you as an owner to greet me. So I'm just saying thank you 10 years later for doing so. Oh. So thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So my question, I think, is actually pretty straightforward, but I struggle over it. My wife and I were uh, about 65 years old, and we've had our long-term care insurance policy for about 20 years now. So we bought it when we were in our mid-40s. And it has a reduced paid-up benefit, and I'm quite sure that we can self-insure today. But the annual premium, I believe, is still quite attractive. And I'm trying to figure out, should I just continue paying that annual premium as is cheap or let the policy lapse, self-insured, and uh, bank on the paid-up benefits? That is a great question. What are the paid-up benefits? So the paid-up benefits for each of us is approximately twenty, about, about $18,000. Which means what? Yeah, I, I, I don't quite understand what that oh, so, means. So the paid-up benefits, is, if I let my policy lapse, then I still have benefits up to about $18,000 each to accrue to be used if we have some type of uh, uh, event. So, it carries a, so does this carry a cash value in it? Right. Okay, so it's a life insurance policy. Well, they call it a, a paid-up benefit is what they call it, a reduced paid-up okay. benefit on the policy. Okay. This is a 20-year-old policy, Pat. That's yes. right. <laughs> okay. They don't write policies today like they did 20 and years ago. what are your premium payments? So the premium payment for both of us is about 2000 a year. And what's the benefit? So the benefit, um, the daily maximum benefit is about 280 a day. Okay. And then the lifetime maximum benefit is about half a million for each of us. So your premiums are two thousand a year, right? And the lifetime benefit is five hundred thousand. What's the right. What's the waiting period? Uh, Ninety days. And what's your net worth? And is this a is this a your typical long term care policy that um, do you have to go into a home? Is there Is there any benefits no. for? Yeah, you can you can go to your own home and have nurses visit you, or go to a home or whatever. I tell you, that's, I, without even oh asking the rest gosh. of your assets, there's no way I would cancel this. Yeah, thing. this thing is cheap, cheap, cheap. I can't believe it's this inexpensive. Yeah, and that's why I struggle over it because I feel very confident I can self-insure. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but I so mean, if insurance is so cheap. Yeah, it's. I can't believe it's this inexpensive. I, and they have they raised the premium at all? Um, it's every what two or three years that they have to, they have an option to reset the premium, and if they do, it's like about two percent increase that I've seen oh, over the years. Is this a group plan? Yeah, it's it's with the uh, the old telcos in California. Okay, all right. So you know your claims experience on this group it must be unbelievably good. You know, I, again, I don't know. So it's, that's just what I know in terms of what I'm paying, what's available. But oh. I feel confident I can self-insure. But I'm saying it's cheap. Actually, so be for, I, 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 I'll buy the policy from you and pay the two grand a year and collect okay. the benefits. I mean that. This it, is the kind of thing where just it, the, the policy has economic value. Yeah, in and of whether you need it or not. Not that there's necessarily a market for something like that, but you you, you would not want to cancel. Yes, this, this is. Un, I can't believe it's this inexpensive. I, know. <laughs> I mean, okay. you got uh, just five hundred thousand up to five hundred thousand each. So it's up to a million dollars in, in benefits. And, and well, by the life, lifetime maximum benefits is what it shows. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, but by the way, uh, we answered this today, but the. It wouldn't surprise me if four years from now this premium payment went up to six grand. There a year. might be some limits on how much it can go up. Or yeah. there, there are caps, yeah. Yeah, um, that's what they were. See, this they were. They, they, this is why they quit issuing these policies. <laughs> There's less than ten percent of long-term care policies issued today than there was uh, fifteen years ago, and it's because they underwrote them uh, improperly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and okay. you're the beneficiary of that. Yeah, All don't. Right. I would never cancel this. One. Yeah, I was leaning towards canceling it because, again, I'm too confident I can self-insure, but... It doesn't matter. It's too cheap. Yep. Okay. Nope, nope. nope. It's cheap. It's All too right. cheap. And the odds are you and your, your spouse will need some sort of care, whether maybe it's in-home or maybe somewhere else, at some point in your life, right? That's the statistical odds. And, and because the premiums are so low compared to the benefits, that even though you can self-insure, I would keep this policy. 
right. I appreciate it. Thanks, All right. Michael. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for the call. Yeah, maybe we'll hear from him another 10 years. <laughs> I guess he visited one of our advisors 10 years ago. Yes. That, that is astounding. How inexpensive that is. No wonder they quit writing these things. No wonder all the insurance oh. companies, they underwrote well, them poorly. And you look at the, so the leaders of the insurance companies are going, how much are we going to lose on long-term care this year? That's right? what they're saying. Yeah. Because yes. they're losing money on it. And, and Every insurance company is losing money on the long-term there's, care. There's two components of it. One was, when you think about this thing was written 20 years ago, what were the interest rates 20 years ago? Um, a little higher than they were today. <laughs> the same ballpark. Yeah. Maybe a little higher than But for it. all those years, they take that money and they set it aside. And what do they normally buy? They buy mostly bonds. So the asset wasn't producing much. And then they Because the interest rates had been so low the last 15 years. That's right. Yeah. And then they underwrote it. Yeah. That's why it's, ho- it's so hard to get long-term care insurance. Which today. is the mistake they made is they were life insurance people that started writing long-term care for, and there's a difference between morbidity and mortality. Which is the same thing that happened to disability policies, correct? Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, go to Florida and we're talking with David. David, you're with All Worths Money Matters. Yeah. Hi, Scott and Pat. How you doing? We're good. Good. Uh, I have a question. My wife and I have been retired. We're 67, been retired for about five years. And uh, part of our assets, we have about 800,000 in corporate bonds, individual bonds, and about 700,000 in corporate bond funds. Excuse me. And the bond funds have or probably down about 11, 12% the last couple of years. And I was wondering if I should cash in the bond funds and buy individual bonds. What type of bonds do you own, these individual bonds? Uh, there are a lot of bank, uh, uh, Canadian banks. There's, uh, I'd have to look them up. I don't really have My guess is the, is the risk level in your individual bonds is dramatically greater than the risk level in your bond funds. And, and, well, and I have a question, which is why how did you decide to structure it this way? Uh, well, they were all individual bonds, and then they start a couple of years ago. They started getting called, and the corporate, the bond funds were paying more than the individual bonds. So originally, your thesis was individual bonds versus bond funds. Yeah, and what was the reasoning behind that thesis? Uh, just that. You know, they at the end when they matured, they still get your value out of if they if if they mature, if they mature. Yeah. So, like my my basic rule of thumb on this is, unless somebody has twenty million dollars or more in fixed income to really build a diversified portfolio of individual bonds, I think people are crazy to own individual bonds, and unless they are U.S. government bonds or uh, some muni bonds that are are um, highly rated, because. Like, all it takes is one one of the issuers to struggle and not be able to make their payments, and it happens all the time. You see AAA-rated or AA-rated bonds, corporate bonds, and here's my personal experience. So I have a client. I remember his face, right? I can think of his face. This is the financial crisis back in 2007 or 2008 when Ford Motor Company was taken over by the federal government. We had a bond ladder he had built for himself. Ford Motor Company maybe comprised 10 We of- built it for correct, build that it. Is We did it. We did well, it. Well, he asked for it. Okay, because he, he felt that it was more secure. You could watch it. You could feel better about he it. He told me, Scott, I've got an MBA. You don't understand. I, I know this stuff better than most people. And I, frankly, I probably shouldn't have. You should have fought with him? I probably should have fought with him a little but more. You were a young advisor. No, I wasn't young back then. <laughs> I was still <laughs> I'd been doing this a long time. We hadn't experienced a financial crisis like this. Okay. And so when you've got Ford Motor Company that the government takes over, they wiped out their bondholders. So his bond position went to zero. And it was in, that, in that holding. It was about 15% of his bond holdings. So the rest of the portfolio didn't mean didn't a thing. <laughs> I mean, the bonds are supposed to be there for the more conservative piece of your portfolio. Yeah, and didn't we see the same thing with Pacific Gas and Electric? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's lots, Enron. Of, there's, there's lots of situations where good quality companies, good quality bonds, they become worth zero. So if you're like, I, I, 
I would not recommend, I, well, if you're asking our opinion, our opinion would be to get rid of the individual bonds you have right and buy, now and buy more bond funds right now and have it and diversify your, your, your fixed income portfolio. So you've got a variety of different types of bonds. And there's no reason to wait for them to mature. Uh, okay. So we're just talking respect. about more, a, a larger number. That's all we're talking about. If you and managed, uh, and you got a whole team that's paying yeah, attention someone, to these things. Someone's that, actually on the research calls. That's going to help some. Yeah, right. It'll help some. <laughs> It'll help some. It's not going to stop the, uh, the, the the thing that arises out of nowhere. But the thing that arises out of no, nowhere, like the Ford Motor Company, will only be like a half a percent of the portfolio versus Correct. 15. That's exactly right. Maybe it might have been higher than that. I forget what it was. I just remember the pain that we both went through when what's the downs what's the downside of owning the it's a little bit more expensive it can be i don't think it's more expensive the the, the downside there's no maturity date on it but that's that's kind of a that's all in your mind really because just because you wait till the maturity date doesn't mean that the thing doesn't have an actual value today that's right but a bond fund has an average maturity in it that's right and you can manage to that and duration Obviously, we feel strongly about this. Yeah. Okay. All right, David. You asked for our, right. you asked our opinion, so that's our opinion on it. Uh, so. Any other questions for us? Yeah, I have a, a quick one if you have time. Yes, sure. sir. I gave a deferred variable annuity. Uh, it's worth uh, 170000 now. Uh, the cost basis was 25000 and I'm not really sure what to do with it. Yeah, and this is this is not an, in an IRA. I'm assuming it's a non-qualified deferred annuity. Yeah. How long have you owned it? Uh, probably 35 years. Yeah. Um. What thirty? Well, you said probably 35 because it was 1986. There was a change in that. Could it have been? Defra? Could it have been before 1986? Uh, no. It was okay. After. 80. All right. Um, the, the challenge is, of course, all that gain is going to be taxed as ordinary income, yeah, either to you or your heirs. Can you gift this to a charity? You, the, you, they could be the beneficiary on it. And uh, not pay taxes. Yeah, they could be the beneficiary on That's it. That's the only way you're going to get around. Or it goes okay. to... Have a, how old? If my wife got it, would she pay tax or just to the heirs? Yeah, there's no stepped-up basis on these things. Which is one of the uh, problems okay. with... These non-qualified variable annuities versus an S&P or any 500. non-qualified annuity, indexed annuities, same thing. That's right. The tax outside t- of an IRA, the, the, non-qualified. Yeah, I, I would okay. keep it. Okay. I mean, I don't. I'm assuming it's a decent annuity, but well, there are I don't some know. lower costs. Well, well, who are the beneficiaries on that? Uh, half is my wife, and a quarter is uh, both my children. And your children make more money than you? Income. Uh, probably not. Okay. I'd keep it. Yeah, I'd keep it. I mean, you might, I, I don't know if it's a good policy or not a good policy. There are some lower cost annuities out there that you, you could do a tax-free exchange into a newer one, but it may or may not make sense. So. All right. But would you, would you suggest a new, a new in it or just. Well, if you need that, do you need the money? Not really. You know, I could use the money, but it's not, you know. It's What's not your like, overall net worth? Uh, probably eight and a half million. And how old are you? 67. And if you actually I gotta had tell you, the if money? If there's a dollar I was going to give to charity on my death, it would be this annuity. Okay. Because it's the least tax efficient. I mean, any IRAs or 401ks essentially have this similar kind of tax That's problem. That's right. But, no, but, but Scott, he answered the question. I asked, do you need the money? He said, no, but I could use it. Is that what you said? Yeah. You know, it could, if I annuitize it, it would probably be would you sp- a month. Would you spend it? Would your life change at all? Would you go on more vacations? No. What would you do with the money if, if it came in? I know, pay, pay some bills. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's, your, what's your ballpark family annual income? Uh, what with the dividends and yeah, 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 your tax and your tax return. Uh, well, the dividends not from the IRA. Uh, Everything. Here's the here's the challenge. You're You're not going to spend any money. Well, you're asking us to answer a question that without without knowing all the other things, 
What's is going on your overall 200,000? What how much money comes through the checkbook? Uh well that's a different question. And what's your taxable income? It's probably about 180, 200,000, I don't know. Uh, my answer is you should spend more money. I wouldn't um but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily And your kid, but your children are in a lower tax bracket than that? Uh one makes uh probably about 200 and I'm not sure what the other one makes. You know, they only ask me for money, so I'm sure they're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the barometer. I mean, uh, look, I, it, w- without knowing, without knowing everything in your portfolio and what's going on in your, with all your entire finances, without a f- complete financial plan, it's hard to make a, 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 a judgment on what's best to do with this annuity. I, my guess is okay. tell me probably just wait and def- continue to defer it. Okay. So, all right. Thanks, Dave. Right, appreciate thanks the, call. the call. You know, it's interesting, Pat. Right. The tax laws have changed over the years. And 30 years ago, buying an invariable annuity probably made some sense at the time. Yeah. Income tax rates were much higher. Capital gain tax rates were higher back then. And, like, why bother with let's just have this variable annuity? The, the, the challenges today, of course, one, capital gain rates are much lower. So you'd be better off owning, let's say, an S&P 500 index fund outside of an annuity because – if you put in a hundred thousand, goes to two hundred thousand. That gain is going to be taxed as a capital gain. That's right. Um, but and, in this situation, and there's, and there's no stepped-up basis upon death when it makes with, no sense now with annuities. No. Yeah, but but you know what his problem is, and we never even talked about it, is the repeal of the estate taxes. And what is it, twenty twenty-five? Well, he's still got eleven million bucks or so. Eleven, twelve million dollars. He's sixty-seven. I mean, dude, well, he's, it could he's, be a problem. Yeah, we're borrowing trouble today if we're worrying in 2023 what may or may not happen in 2027. I would, I would think about it. Well, think about it. But what, what planning would you do today? I don't know. I talked to an estate planning attorney, and he said they're bracing for a onslaught of business uh, when this thing gets repealed. Do you think it's going to happen? Well, it's not repealing. It's sunsetting, right? Okay, that's right. Part of the other tax packages. That's right. And part of it's going to be to vent. I think we'll find out. More next November, at election time, of who's going to be in. Do you know <laughs> which guy they're going to wheel down the aisle? Oh no! <laughs> oh. oh, oh! Can't we do better than this? We as a country, it's hilarious. Can't we do just a little better? It's a bizarre thing, and I actually enjoy talking politics with friends and stuff. We're not going to do it much in this program because. Uh, I think most of America can agree on that one. Yeah. <laughs> on that one, I don't think we have to. We have to go too far one way or the other. Everyone stared at each other. Wait, why don't you run? Anyway, yeah, let's go to the calls, and let's talk now with Larry in California. Larry, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, how are you guys doing today? We are fantastic. So, um, I think in in some respects, my questions were kind of simple, but um, a uh, question popped in my head just recently. Back in 2018, my wife and I redid our financial plan based on my projected retirement date because she's already at her full retirement date, uh, and I want to retire at 62. So we redid our plan back in 2018, and then COVID came around, and my wife and I, uh, our income has stayed pretty much exactly the same for about the last 10 years because anytime one of us has gotten a pay raise or increased our pay, we shoveled it off to our 401s to keep our, our, our income consistent. So we were used to spending a certain amount of money. And then COVID came around and cut our income by about a third. So we decided to do a... Um, Let's see if we can survive on Social Security. So we reduced our income down to what I projected we would get out of Social Security. And we did that for two years, and we actually got along just fine. Uh, Even though we were both still working, we were still able to pay our bills. So that created a a secondary question. So just for clarity, just for clarity, you said let's. Let's just bring our, our, our the amount of income we're going to live off equivalent to what we would receive in Social Security at our normal it, retirement it, age. And how right. much was that number? Uh, it was about $4,000 a month. Okay. 
birthday. Uh, and that started me thinking because when I'm trying to, to figure for um, our distributions and withdrawals out of our retirement accounts, what number is it that you're trying to replace as far as income is concerned? Because everybody's got a different That's a great opinion. Question. On, on what level of income are you That's trying to replace? a great question. You know what? No. And so I, I actually was thinking about this yesterday. And when Scott and I first started doing this 30-plus years ago, we would have people – do you remember yeah, this, Scott? Yeah, we would have them prepare budget. a budget. Write all your expenses down. Write all your expenses down. And then I just – I still remember sitting with people, and they're like, oh, we live on $2,100 a month. And then I'm like – It's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. but then you're like – but there's forty five hundred dollars a month is your take home pay. Where's what, the rest where's going? The rest? Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So we actually we quit doing that a year into financial planning, and we base everything exactly like you're doing today, which is what are you living on, right? What's that's, that's kind of baseline. That's what, baseline. Now you you and your wife really tighten the belt to say, hey, can we live on much less? And you realized you could, which that's is highly unusual, by the way. Very unusual. <laughs> and it's, I mean, like like Larry, there, there's been some people I've talked to that said, tell me, Scott, I'm not going to retire unless I could be assured that my income is going to be even slightly higher than it is today. I'll just assume keep working until I can be assured my income slightly higher today. I've had others say, Scott, I hate my job. I'm happy to live on less. How much can I, if I retired today, what can I live on? They're like, fine, I'm retired. And there's other people when you say, well, why don't you retire? But think about going back to work and see how you feel, right? That is not unusual. So your question to us is, what number do you peg yourself to? Because sometimes you, you say, oh, it's 70% of your pre-retirement income or 80% of your pre-retirement income or 110% of your pre-retirement But it doesn't matter. If my mortgage is paid off, then all of a sudden, and I'm not paying into Social Security. And so what? how much money do you actually have saved for retirement? We have right now about 670 um, in three different uh, retirement accounts. Uh, and I say that's, you know, when we were trying to figure out what, what we were going to do is uh, based on the number, I didn't figure that our gross income would be what I wanted to base the number off of because money not going out is the same as money not going in. Um, we've also been saving 30% of our income okay. from both my wife and myself. So am I going by... AGI number no, or am I no, going no, by so your money it? goes into the bank? So if you've got what's your what's your gross income between the two of you? Your wage income? About one ten between the two of okay. us. Okay. And you've got thirty percent going into your you're saving thirty one percent of that off the bat, right? Right. Our our income for the our our uh, taxable income for the last eight to ten years has Average between seventy-one and seventy-five thousand a year. Okay, um, and it's been consistent every single year because I use our four hundred ones or, or my wife's IRA. Uh, she has a four hundred one too, but she also has an IRA rollover. I've been using that as the mechanism for making sure that our income stays equal. So we're trained on how much money we have to spend. We're so ingrained into that habit That's right. by the time we come to retirement that if if our income changes just a little bit, we're not even going to notice it. And do, will either of you receive a pension? No. Okay. All we have is two 401s and her IRA. And when the you, home's paid for? Uh, no, the home we still owe about fifty thousand on, and the mortgage payments only at, it's what nine sixty a month. And the interest rates. Well, when's that going to be paid off? Uh, the home is scheduled to be paid off in twenty thirty one, I believe, and the interest rates three point five. So, I mean, one one concept is that, is to earmark a little cash, like pull, pull set aside. Let's call it 60, 70 grand from your, out of your retirement account. Let's say you retired today. This is what, how I would structure it. Let's take out 70 grand or whatever we, we need so that we can have a check sent out of that one account for 960 and have it designed so it's gonna de de that account will be depleted 
on the day that your mortgage is paid off. So that way we can essentially say, let's, because, because you've got a major expense that's going to end in eight years. And it's $12,000 a year. So we don't need to, we don't need to calculate that into your plan for the rest of your life. Right. I mean, that's kind of how I would no. think about it. So then I think it, now you've got 600,000 of retirement savings. You know, think of say a 4% withdrawal rule. That's 24,000 a year. But you're not going to need. He's not going to need. And you that won't much. without it more. And you won't have a mortgage payment because. Yeah, but he won't need that much. He's living on fifty grand now. Yeah. So what's your question? Well, the, <laughs> when when I was trying to figure out what what benchmark I wanted to use for making sure that my wife and I, you here's know, the, here's are, the bench, are here's the benchmark. Here, here's the takeaway I want you to have from this call. Your retirement accounts can do two things for you. One is we can carve off a little bit to make that mortgage payment so you no longer have to worry, worry about the mortgage payment. And then, and then for the remainder of that retirement account, it'll generate about, about $2,000 a month and grow each year to offset inflation. So you can add that to your Social Security. That gives you a ballpark of where you could be retirement. But I, I wouldn't even go that far, Scott. I, I would actually, I agree with <laughs> you don't what, like my takeaway. No, 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 no. I agree with what you said about the mortgage. And then I'd start a distribution of a thousand dollars a month. What of what? Out of the IRA when he retires. Well, he might need more than that. He doesn't. He's been living on, he's been living on 50 grand he might a year. I want more than that. That's right. The truth lives somewhere between what yes. you said and what I <laughs> said. But, I mean, bottom line is you can str- – Larry, if you said I was retired today – You'd be fine. Yeah, based, upon your, based on your income needs. And if you told me you wanted uh, to start traveling uh, you know, you know, to Europe every other month, then it's a different story. Well, see, there, therein lies part of the, part of our, our, the problem with my, my plan also is my wife and I have a uh, camping membership – we like to go out in our RV. Um, my plan, as it's written today, is I want to retire at 62 because we still want to be able to go do things while my wife is still healthy enough to be able to do it. Yeah. Now, I turn 62 in July of next year, but I'm going to wait until December because I want to use that extra couple of months to offset any taxes that you know, your, we're going to have what, towards your, the end of the year. But we'd like to sell our house and buy something smaller and just pay off that your, mortgage. You, you, you yeah, need to redo, yeah, uh, update yeah, your financial plan. And by the way, the thing you should be worried about is the cost of medical insurance. The, uh, we thought I thought about that, too, is what I would like to do is, I, you know, based on what I projected the cost of the medical insurance being, yeah, is to work two days a week, kind of semi-retired, and make just enough money to offset the cost of the insurance. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work or not. But that's what you maybe, should maybe worry not. about. If I was doing a financial plan, yeah, of course. If I was so a financial Medicare. advisor, that's the thing I would be focusing on. Larry, Larry it's, it makes sense for, for you to update your financial plan. And when you said you had your financial plan and something about a written financial plan, I mean, uh, who wrote it? Well, it's just like whatever is written five years ago is almost irrelevant today. I mean, things change so dramatically. And in today's world, a financial plan is it's dynamic. It's ongoing. It changes. And it's it doesn't really. I mean, I don't know. Well, who wrote the plan? Uh, well, that that's kind of a two tiered. Uh, our plan, the, the intention is to update it next year. I understand. Uh, but but why wait? But initially. I did the, the financial plan, um, and then I actually went to an advisor who, in 2018, just before my wife had a major operation, uh, and we did one through them. And to, to me, shockingly enough, they were really comparable. Uh, but at the time, you know, because we're both still working, we couldn't roll the money out of 
our yeah. 401 I mean, there, there's, and in, there, into an advisor. There's a lot of ways you, you can do what-if scenarios, Larry, and I think that would be helpful for you because financial planning today isn't really, let's get a bunch of information, let's print out this three-ring binder, and it's, it's a static it's thing. It's very dynamic. In. It's dynamic, and it lives in, in, it's, it's in, in you know, in a, in a, in a, I mean, our advisors have pro- big software program. Our, our advisors have big screens in the office where the advisors, the clients sit and and they do what ifs with the clients. Well, what happens if I w- worked another year? What happens if insurance premiums were two thousand dollars a month? Which isn't a nope. It's it's not unusual. Medical. You just said your wife had a major operation. If she's got pre-existing, I mean, yeah, that's well, what he's I, on medical. She'll be on Medicare next year. She's ah, she's still okay. working. Okay. She, at, at the moment, she's still working because she didn't want to retire until I did, unless her health forced her out. Got it. Uh, so, but she, Larry, I mean, I still I, look at retirement age in February. I like the way you're thinking because it's like it sounded from one takeaway I got from this is. You're you're not comp. You're, you don't know if your wife's health is going to be good for many many more years or a shorter period of time, and you want to be able to spend some time with her now, which I think is a very worthy worth worthwhile goal and something to pursue. I think doing some more in depth planning, some what if scenarios, it might make it might say, hey, let's retire today and go do those things that you want to do with your, That's with your right. spouse. It might say. Let's wait until the end of next year or might be somewhere in the middle. But doing that kind of plan and having and going through those what if scenarios, then you can make an informed decision. Uh, and, of course, there's assumptions. We need, obviously need to make all kinds of assumptions. But in there. It, and I think he's in an RV. What happens if gas goes to seven dollars a gallon? He's only going to camp 14 minutes from his house. <laughs> Right. I always think it's funny when you see these campgrounds right next to a freeway. I'm thinking of all places to camp. Don't you want to kind of get out and? I thought about that. What do you mean you thought about that? Because there's one right on the way to Lake Tahoe from here, and I asked a friend that stays that like he stays from out of town. He's from out of town. Comes to visit. He says it's because it's close to his his children and his grandchildren's house, and that's why he stays there. It has nothing to do with. The nature, it just happens to be close. But then I had this discussion with my wife. We have a friend that has an RV, and they were going someplace. And I said, you know, they're going for three days. It may be cheaper to eat out and stay in a hotel than to drive an RV because of the cost of gas. Well, look, most uh, a lot of these RVs do not make a lot of economic sense. you got to really want to have that lifestyle. When you pencil them, pencil it out, particularly in today's rates when interest rates are much higher. It was one thing when your cash assets earn nothing. Yeah. When they can earn something today, a, de- a decent return. I mean, you, you take a hundred grand and that, buy, or two hundred grand, or five hundred grand, or a million, or whatever these things go. When for. it was earning zero, it didn't really matter. But when it can earn four or five, if you've got the cash and you can afford it and you enjoy it, great. Have you ever owned an RV? No, I have no desire to. I owned one for three years. Three, four years. I borrowed it. Your trailer, your fifth wheel thing, whatever it was. Yeah, it was a toy hauler. You borrowed it? I did borrow it. Where'd you go? Thrashed it. <laughs> no, where did you go? <laughs> I used it for a 24-hour mountain bike race. Oh. Slept in it. It was fantastic. I lent it to a friend that went to Burning Man in Nevada. With that? It was a bad, that was a bad idea for me, Lent. Lent he didn't bring it back detailed. He it. tried, but it was in a sandstorm. We got to go one more, we'll take a call here. You had one sandstorm. It was in a sandstorm. There's sand everywhere. <laughs> like we live in Northern California. So when Burning Man happens, you get all these. You see all these oh. all, all kinds of strange looking RVs. Not really the term for them. I don't know what some of these vans are. They're all they're so brown from all the dust. Oh yeah. Well, in this year because it it rained up there and it was all flooded in. It was mud everywhere. You watch them. And by the way, I have flown out of Reno Airport. <laughs> two years in a row, either at the beginning or the end of Burning Man. and the, That's as close as you want to get to Burning Man? I tell you what, there are some of the richest hippies I've ever met on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> I sat next to a guy. They're not real hippies. flew <laughs> from Germany. He flew from Germany to go to Burning Man. In business class. <laughs> in business class. All right. <laughs> he dressed like a complete dirtbag, too. <laughs> and I'm like, you're rich as heck. Anyway, 
It was interesting. I don't quite understand the whole. Let's, I don't want to talk about okay. Burning Man. All right. <clears throat> I, there's sure there's someone listening that's like, I love Burning Man. I've gone every year. Oh, I know. I getting know. stuck in the mud was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't <laughs> sound. Doesn't whatever die. you're into. Or RV next to the freeway. Whatever you're uh, into. Whatever you're into. It's your life. I think the point on the RV stuff, we both, Pat, have seen a number of people buy, they retire and buy a, a, an RV. Without, sometimes very expensive ones. Y- yes. And what What do you tell them? Go rent they, one. Go for rent a while. one for a month. I don't care what it costs you to rent. Rent it's it irrelevant. for a month. Make sure you really enjoy this. And we like. Look, I can think of some clients that. I think one client they lived in their RV six, seven years. They traveled everywhere on their RV. They loved, loved it. it. I have clients that loved it. I had clients that couldn't wait to get rid of them. Yeah, they bought a brand new one, quarter million dollars. <laughs> it's a quarter million dollar RV. They went out for six weeks. They came back. I remember they're like, we cannot spend that much time together. The husband and wife. And they're like, it's in addition to the sales tax that they had to pay on the RV. Yes. And then the depreciation, you drive it off the lot. I'm assuming it's like a car. Yes. It's driven off the lot. It didn't have the same value. Yes. Yes. Anyway, let's go All back right, to let's the go. calls. We're in Seattle talking with Joe. Joe, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, So here's the situation. I live in Seattle, and about six weeks ago, I sold my house and moved into an apartment. Um, So I have a small business that I run, and right now that business just about meets my current level of expenses. Um, That could change next year. But um, I have about $400,000 in an IRA for retirement. I'm only 44. Um, I have no debt except for $15,000 in student loans at about 3%. Um, Like I said, my car, I own it free and clear. I've got no other, no credit card debt. Why did you sell Um, your house? Yeah, what was the thinking behind that? Well, That's a long and tragic story, probably for a different podcast. But um, needless to say, my partner and I decided to go our separate ways. Ah, okay. So we had to sell the house. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. And he was making most of the money. So I had Got moved it. several times to help further his career. Um, you know, he he works for a very large company here in Seattle. And, um, you know, he he decided to end the relationship. And so... You know, we sold the house and and went our our separate right, ways, and that it. was Sorry to you know. Hear that. Well, you know, I, I I am too, but you know, I now we have to figure out what to do with uh, my current financial right. situation. So what I have is I have two hundred thousand dollars in cash from the sale of the house. Okay. Um. It's all mine. I don't owe any taxes on it or anything. And right now I have it parked in a savings account earning five and a half. Um, and I'm I'm just thinking, is that the right thing to be doing with it? Should I be what what should I be do you, doing? Do you think you'll buy another money? residence at some point, whether it's a condo? No. Or... Well, not I'm, I've signed a lease for that runs through um, October of 24. So I have another, you know, 12 months, 13 months in the current apartment that I'm in. And how stable is the small business you you run? That's the problem. So um, my business consists of two pieces. There's an online component and there's a face-to-face component. The online uh, component, which comprises about half of the income I get from this business every month, could be taken away from me. virtually at any time. Um, (laughs) I I have a very strange business. It's probably one that you've never heard of before, but I run a bridge club. Okay. Like cards. So yes, like cards. Okay. And so when the pandemic hit, I had a wonderful bridge club and it it was thriving. I had lots of customers. It's like you and Peloton. You were just like, this pandemic was great. (laughs) Well, the pandemic hit. And all the face-to-face clubs uh, closed. Oh, got and it. Then, and then they haven't returned the same. The entity, the entity which allows us to run sanctioned games, 
allowed us to all move online. So all of these online bridge clubs yeah. started popping up. But the rules of how they can operate, when they can operate, and who can operate them is completely out of my control. And I've been hearing some rumblings that the league, which sanctions these games, might change the rules. And the online business that I built could be gone in the snap of a finger. But if that happened, which, wouldn't those same players want to go back somewhere in person? Yes, but the thing is, with online bridge, those players are scattered all they're over all, the They're country. everywhere. And so what I'm... And what, what I'm my assumption would is, be that, that... My assumption would be that the people who used to come... In person, they're doing this online in some other community. That's that right. So, so that yeah. you're losing business locally to someone who's online back east, which would gravitate. Yeah, we're assuming that yeah. the, the 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 but market I guess the bigger, bridge plays. The bigger question. How much, on this. Wait, wait, Scott. How much do you make out of this business a year? Did you say? Well, so when um, when before the pandemic hit. Um, I was making about $90,000. Now, it, it took me about four years to get up to that point. So I started from scratch in Connecticut. And over four years, you know, I built it up to about $90,000 in profit. Okay, and what are you making um, today in profit? Well, probably about 50000 And about half of that is from the online club, and half of that is from the space-to-face -face club, which I run, you know, currently three days a week. Um, just because of venue availability. Um, I'd love to be able to rent my own commercial space out here in Seattle, but the rents are way too high. Well, I, I actually don't think that's a good idea. I, 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 I think, I mean, I think the bigger question from a financial standpoint is not really what you do with the 200,000 right now. It's what, what's going to be, what, what do you need to do with your career so that you can be financially self-supportive because you had yeah. a long-term relationship yep. Your partner earned a lot more than you did. Not, not uncommon at all in relationships, right? And so sometimes, yeah. and, and you're, it, it afforded you to, and you and you were making better money four years ago. Um, but that yeah. that your question to us is that two hundred thousand dollars in the right place? I would keep it exactly absolutely there. in the right place. Okay, because look, here's how I how we view things. If if money, if there's a chance you're going to spend the money within the next five years. You want it somewhere stable and, and liquid. Um, if it's money that you know you're going to earmark for something way out there, retirement. Well, then we've got so much time we can go through market cycles and that sort of thing. But like this is one yeah. we don't know. You're already concerned about your online portion, and if suddenly that was taken away tomorrow, yeah, you might need to dip into this to help. You, you know what you need is you need a business coach. And I was just thinking of the name in Sacramento. There's a, a coach. It's called SCORE, which is retired executives, uh, right? Which is you, okay. you, you need a business. You and need they, a, they think it's all pro bono stuff. It, isn't it's it? all free. Yes. Yeah. And so you really, yes. There's yeah. club, there's, there's organizations all like that. over the U S which are retired executives. You need a sounding board because what you just said is you'd really like a full-time space for the bridge. And I thought to myself, that's dangerous as heck. What you want oh, yeah. to do? Oh, well, that's why I haven't done it. No, yeah. I mean, understand, I, I but go, you know, but there's there's tons of empty space all over the city um, that is used in parts of the daytime that you want. Yeah, you know, it, it exactly right. But you know, I really need to have a space. Like right now, I'm in one of those spaces. Yep. You know, it's not used during the day, um, during the week. Yep. It's but you know, but, just but, sits here, and I'm free money for them. That's right. That's right. But, but what you need is a sounding board because if you have one, why can't you have three, or five, or seven, or twelve? Well, uh, a bridge club is very much a cult of personality. Nope, that's right. That is right. So I, I can only be in one place at a time, and not only am I running the business, but I'm also acting as a referee. And as a teacher, so bridge is a pretty complicated game. Look, and it requires you a could, referee. You could tell me all the reasons in the world why it won't work. But when I started in business thirty plus years ago, Scott Hansen and I, I believed I was the only financial advisor in the world that could give great advice, <laughs> and I was so wrong. How many advisors do we have now? One hundred and twenty-five or something like that. Yeah. Right. 
There are lots Fair of pieces enough. of the organization, Pat. You thought I'm the only, I'm the best qualified person. And now I Nobody realize. Really now I realize today. But I think, no, 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 no. I mean, you, you need to focus in on that. And, and and it's really, I think, like, have give yourself a period of time, whether it's six months or twelve months, to focus on your business, and have a period of time where it's like, if it's not generating, or you don't see the clear path to generating yeah. X dollars, then you look at making yeah. a, a career career shift. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, I signed a one-year lease on my apartment, and my thought was I'm going to stay here in Seattle, work on this business, and if I can get it to a point where it's able to support, you know, my financial needs, then I'll stay. And if not, you you know, that's what I was thinking. But, again, you know, you, you think these things, but you want to talk to somebody to make sure that, what you're saying makes sense, you that's, know. That's, so that's what I said. You need to. Uh, yeah, I'm coach. sure some Seattle's got something yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So and we appreciate the yeah, call, and that's why you know that's why I called you guys. Oh well, yeah. well we but appreciate we appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Yeah, all right. Thank you very much. We, we wish you well. It's interesting. It's, it's uh, um, well, you know, I spoke at this high school a couple years ago, and the kid after he talked about careers and different things, and the kid afterwards came up and he said, "Well, I heard that." If I just follow my dreams and do something I'm passionate about, then I will be successful. That's great. <laughs> and I said, What if no one else is passionate about it? <laughs> then you're broke. That's what I said. I said, Don't believe that garbage. I was bicycle riding with a friend of mine uh, yesterday, and he's a retired probation officer. And he said, I absolutely had no passion. <laughs> How could you? Some of those jobs, prison guard. <laughs> yeah, he said, but I needed a job. You say I I heard a um, interview from the guy who did the dirty jobs uh, oh, yeah, show. Yeah, he's yeah, Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Okay. Anyway, he's just talking about it. he was fascinated by the fact that most of these people still somehow found joy, regardless of how bad their job was. The pride of their job. Oh, or yeah. Any case, <laughs> right. oftentimes in life we we have a certain plan. We're going down a certain path. Things change. Whether it's a health issue, a job like this, a relationship, a death, those sort of things. And it's that sort of time when it's. You need to step back and refocus your financial plan. So anyway, we are out of time. It's been great to have everyone with us. Um, if you haven't reviewed our podcast and you think it's worthwhile, please give us a review. We'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. This has been Scott Hanson, Pat McLean, Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.